Josh Pollard. I'm Joe Dostasio. And this is Story Players, the podcast that analyzes story-driven video games. This is the fifth episode of our Final Fantasy XV series. Each week we play through a couple chapters of the game and then get together to discuss. And as a reminder, I'm playing on the pocket edition of the game that came out more than a year after the original release. And mm-hmm. Josh, you are playing on the Xbox, the Xbox One X. You know what I just realized? What? We're playing Final Fantasy 15. This is episode five. Yeah. Five evenly divides into 15. Does that mean this is going to be like the best this episode? This is going to be the best episode. Absolutely. Mathematically best speaking, this should be the best episode. That's, that is the most amazing mathematical proof I've ever seen. No pressure, though. Mm-hmm. For this episode, we are going to cover chapters eight and nine from the Pocket Edition, which is In the Dark and Redemption. Now, this lines up with chapters 11 through 13 of the main version. So that's In the Dark and then End of Days and finally Redemption. So, Joshua. Yes. Jim. What are your thoughts now? We're almost to the end of this game now. We have oh, yeah. one more chapter after these two that we just played. What what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so immediately after playing through 11, chapter 11 for me in the dark, which was short. It was like a half an hour or something like that. I I was like, "Oh my gosh, like there's a lot happening here." And then after playing 12 and 13, like I almost want to skip over a lot of discussion of 11 because so much more happened really in 13. Like that's, that's really the meat of this. And I was really curious to find out what 13 was going to be like because oh yeah, I remember when this game came out, there was so much discussion about chapter 13's horrible or chapter 13's broken and they need to patch 13 and and I was like, well, what could possibly be wrong with this chapter? It's not like it's the end of the game. Like I, I was at first wondered, like, is this a Mass Effect 3 sort of problem <laughs> or something like that? And it wasn't just people wasn't complaining that. about it. It was it was also that the developer saying, you know what? You're right. We're going <laughs> to we're going to push out some uh, changes there. Yeah. And it sounded to me like it was almost like story changes, too. But I don't think that ended up being the case mm. um, based on some of the research I did. So maybe we should talk about the chapter 13 changes after we recap. Yeah, 13. definitely. But overall, I I have very mixed feelings. Like I, I did really enjoy uh, chapter 11. I thought it was cool and neat and kind of different in, in some ways. Chapter 12 brought in a lot of backstory stuff to fill in some of the pieces. So that was nice and, and also short, which is good. Uh, and then 13, it's it's super mixed feelings for me. Like obviously huge story stuff that happened there but it felt so out of balance from the rest of the game this chapter took me i think over three hours to beat it was really hard and play like there were there were a couple of times that i died where i didn't realize that what the game was actually telling me is don't fight just run Mm. Uh, you know, th- there were there were times when that giant winged beast that you eventually fight um, for good once you hook back up with your boys, <laughs> that there was just no hope of me being able to beat him on my own while I'm waiting for this elevator to show up. And then he he just randomly appeared a few times in hallways for me too, and it's like, nope, I just gotta run. <laughs> this sounds like a survival horror. Like it chapter. was kind of survival horror ish. In in a lot of ways, really, that that's that's kind of a nice way of thinking of it. And they, I don't they take away your powers, your yeah, you, and you just have this ability that doesn't it doesn't feel very offensive, you know? 
You know, I, I know that some people complain about taking away your powers and stuff like that. I didn't really feel like that was that big of a deal. Like, right away they give you this magic power that, that does kill things. and it, like, zaps them to another and, dimension or something. Well, that was a separate one, because I got two powers. What did you get? Well, I started out with one where he just holds out his arm and he's just sucking the life out of things. Mm. And for the little goblins that are running around, it kills them pretty quickly. And then later you get one that uses all of your magic at once and and teleports everything oh. to the void or whatever. Oh, everything altogether. Everything. That's cool. Yeah, all at once. Because they're, they're like, hey, when you get surrounded by a horde, you obviously won't be able to use just <laughs> your one thing. Right. So how about you do this thing that zaps everything away? And then, of course, you get attacked by a horde of little demons and and, and get to use that. And it's it's a really cool ability. And... I used it a few times, even when it maybe wasn't like meant to be used. There's there's a stealth section later where there's this huge hulking demon with an axe or something right. like that. And I was like, well, screw the stealth. I'm just going to teleport him into the <laughs> void. <laughs> but then he comes back. Well, and, and then there's the fight with Ravis, which, you know, we'll of course get to at the end. And I really really hated that. So like a lot of a lot of the early stuff I really liked. But it just ended on such a frustrating moment with me that it's hard to be overall super happy about these three sets of chapters just because of that fight with Ravis and and how long and kind of monotonous chapter 13 was. I was able to watch you a little bit because you were streaming when you were playing and it just looked like you were under leveled, you know, for some mm. of these for some of these boss fights. And that's that that's the challenge with the RPGs like this, where you're you're. Your strength comes from gaining gaining experience over time, and developers can't necessarily guarantee what level you're going to be at when you right. try to do these things. It's really hard to balance that, especially in an open world RPG. Yeah. So even though up to that point, I'm sure you felt like things were okay, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you hit this wall. Right. And right when you want to progress the story and find out what's going on, all of a sudden you just you're you're just chopping off tiny little bits of health off of these guys, right. getting killed in one hit. Mm -hmm. constantly using items to just to try to stay alive and it's like do you just kind of keep pushing forward even though it may take you a half hour to beat a boss or do you say you know what right. i'm just gonna back out of here and go level up for a while and that's that grind i talked about mm -hmm. in the in the first episode yeah where i really don't like having to do that yeah and i hadn't felt like i had needed to do that much prior to this game i, I mean i remember i think it's chapter three or four where we had to go into the the cave behind the waterfall mm -hmm. and i told you i went there far too early and got waxed by everything that was in there and so i did some leveling up but ever since then i've i've never felt like i was under leveled or underpowered for anything and and that's despite the fact that i'm terrible at managing all of the other systems inside of these games like i have 200 some ap points <laughs> that i could be spending on things and i'm and i never really it's always like that that fear of making the wrong decision right you I've can't got all it. this money but i don't want to make the wrong decision mm -hmm. so i don't spend any of it and then i'm screwed and then i i get to ravis and i was i think i was level 39 and he's 44 yeah yeah not fun I, I I did not choose the option of grinding. I decided to just use every Phoenix down, every potion, <laughs> every high potion, most of my elixirs and high elixirs to fight him for probably close to a half an hour and eventually one. I, I assume that it's just going to get worse 
in the in the last <sighs> chapter. So do you plan on going back and at least doing some side quests and things to try to, to try to level up? It's hard to know because I don't really know where this thing is going. Mm-hmm. Maybe there isn't a big boss fight. Maybe. I don't know. We should probably let's cover that at the end of this episode. Okay. See, you know, when we talk about what, what we think is coming. Okay. Other RPGs have, have played around with this whole experience thing. I remember back when Final Fantasy VIII first came out, they made a big deal about how the enemies level with you. Mm. as you go on and i think actually it may have just been the bosses i'm not sure the details of it but there was definitely some level scaling Mm -hmm. and so the idea being that as you level up you're going to be facing a similar type of challenge right for every boss but it wasn't perfect like there'd be there'd be situations in which it would make sense it'd be easier to not level up because of just the calculations Mm. or whatever giving bosses health or damage right you would be putting yourself at a severe disadvantage the like the more that you leveled up it would make the game that like really hard right and plus whenever you do that scaling like that you risk you risk the feeling of you're not getting any more powerful yeah and that's really what you know leveling up is all about it's like you feel you're getting stronger you go back to old areas and you just wipe out these people who used to give <laughs> right. you so much so many problems four thousand hit points <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you max out that that counter nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine and you just can't go any higher mm-hmm. i have mixed feelings about these two chapters here as well i like that we were moving forward with the story you know mm-hmm. we were barreling down in a train literally but the actual story that we're learning i don't like i don't like what we're finding out i don't like that the emperor who we saw in the very first chapter he finally shows up again but he's a he's a demon guy and we kill him and there's no i and i didn't even realize that right because it doesn't look like him well he's a he's a monster right with like arms crazy arms and wings and stuff maybe but he he does talk a little bit and, and the only reason i knew it was him was because every time someone talks in the pocket edition it has their little portrait show up mm-hmm. with a subtitle and you know it was it was him. He was there, but he talked a little bit of nonsense and then killed him, and that was it. Huh. But now I, I kind of feel like I need to go back and watch that part of my recording because I, I, yeah, you told me yesterday when we were talking about this a little bit that it was the Emperor. And I was like, what? When did I fight the, I never fought the Emperor. <laughs> what are you talking about? And, and there's some other, some other things that happen that we can talk about as we go through the recap, but. I basically have given up hope that this is going to turn around and be an amazing experience for me here at the end. I'm just, I just want to, we're almost done. So we'll just finish it up. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't been real, you know, excited about the story. I'm, I'm growing to like it more and more. And a lot of it comes from what, well, some of it has to do with what we learn at the end of 13, at the end of chapter 13. So we'll, we'll talk about that more later, but the, I'm, I'm digging the story. I kind of, you know, we've we've been complaining that we haven't seen the Emperor at all. And now I I'm not so upset about that because in chapter thirteen for sure we really learn that the Emperor is not the big problem. No, not it's all. Arden. Yeah. And so now I'm kind of fine with us not really dealing with the Emperor at all because we've dealt with Arden a ton. And I think we're probably done saying our good buddy Artie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, after he after he stabs Luna, I guess we can't really say that anymore. Yeah, and throws our buddy off a train and our arch nemesis. Yeah. The Chancellor. So why don't we dig into the recap? Okay. We start out with In the Dark, which is chapter eight on the pocket edition and chapter eleven on the main the main console slash PC edition. 
we open up on the train after we have our little hug session, hug out session from the last chapter, heading to Tenebrae, which is, you know, Luna's home place. We're going to mm-hmm. go check this place out. And there's some chatting between Noct, Ignis, and, and Gladio. Ignis brings up some bad memories by mentioning Arden's ship heading to the altar while the rest of the Empire escaped from Leviathan. Ignis seems like he's uh, he's not doing something right here. He seems like he's, by the way, I could have saved your your woman here. But I, I was unconscious and I couldn't do anything. about like, it seems like this inappropriate or maybe not the best time <laughs> to be bringing up this topic. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I didn't come away for, from this with that. But yeah, I, I could see that. That's, of course, is this, this is, this is weeks later. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's, it's still later. Yeah. So, I mean, weeks later is, it's probably an okay time. It just doesn't feel like weeks later, right? Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Ignis points out that the nights have been getting longer, and soon there just won't be any day at all, and there have been more demons around. Right. Gladio mentions that the Empire's killed off half of the six gods. Yeah, so remember last time we recorded, Mm -hmm. and you were asking me, how many more gods are we going to see? And I said, well, I played into the next chapter, so I actually know the answer to that. And we know we had Titan, Rama, Leviathan. Mm -hmm. We get Shiva in coming up here soon. Mm-hmm. And then I'm pretty sure at the end of chapter 13, Bahamut is considered one of the gods. If that's the case, am I missing someone? You are. And uh, we'll get into it later in this in this chapter when we meet with Gentiana. But in my version of the story, she does talk about another god. Oh, okay. That she, that she calls the pyre burner. And oh. she's also calling herself the frost bearer. So I don't know what his actual name is, but it's a fire-based god. And the the thing that gets me about this is they're wrong. Right. The Empire hasn't killed off. We half keep the gods summoning them. Because yeah, it looks like they killed the frost goddess or whatever they call her. Mm-hmm. But then we find out that no, not really, because Gentiana is actually the frost goddess. Mm-hmm. And Bahamut, which we meet at the end of thirteen, isn't dead either Mm -hmm. and then there's this pyre burner guy which we don't know about that would be three and two of those three aren't dead so the empire clearly hasn't killed half of the six yeah i don't get that prompto stops by and points out the window at the looming darkness and oncoming snow cloud at that point everything on the train freezes like everything in time not Mm -hmm. like frozen because it's on it's everything ice but i mean like time freezes right and everything except for knocked. And all of a sudden, Arch Nemesis Chancellor appears and Noct goes into rage mode trying to attack him. What's strange, though, is that Arden seems to be seriously confused here. <laughs> he says things like, wait, is this for real? I couldn't tell from my version, but after reviewing some things on the console version, he does have a look like his face is like he's really baffled as to what's going on here. Do you did you get that same sentiment when you played? Yeah, I thought it was weird because I, I'm left to assume that it's Arden that stopped time. Right. So why is he confused? Yeah, there's. It's almost like it's almost like he's being brought into this too. Like mm-hmm. Noct and Arden separately are being brought together into this situation here. Right. And they don't they don't know what's going on. But that does seem very unusual. Yeah that that was weird. They fight for a little bit. Things unfreeze as the train stops. And becomes under attack from Imperial troops and tanks. Like, just completely bombarded by mm-hmm. by different attacks. And at some point, Noct has to go 
on top of the train and like start taking down airships. You warp up to airships yeah. and just dis- and destroy them and what have you. There's even like a machine gun turret sequence where you're shooting it. Ships. How did you like that sequence on the pocket edition? Uh, I was kind of confused as what I was supposed to do for some of it, but mm-hmm. I mean, I got through it pretty quick. Yeah, I died once or twice in the main version just because I wasn't quite sure where to go next or just it just seemed. You know, they were obviously trying to do something fun and different for yeah, a I short li- I period. Yeah, I like that part of it. Yeah. It didn't seem well executed on the main version. I didn't like it. Maybe it's just me that wasn't executing it well. <laughs> That's very possible. <laughs> yeah. Noct finds Arden pointing a gun at Prompto on the roof of a train car. And in an attempt to save him, Noct accidentally pushes Prompto off the train. Now... If I remember correctly, and this seems like a really long time ago at this point, just because of how long 13 was, <laughs> didn't Arden do some like shape-shifting sort of thing here, and that's how he tricks Noctis? I could not tell from the pocket edition. <laughs> that's what I wondered. <laughs> I could not tell, but yes, that is the case. Okay, that's that what he I thought. Was, yeah, he was Arden. It looked like Arden, and then you go push him off, and he immediately turns into Prompto, and Prompto just falls off the train. Right. And then... Arden knocks, knock. Arden knocks, knocked. This is a Dr. Seuss tongue twister. <laughs> Arden knocks, knocked, unconscious. That closes out this chapter. Yeah, and I thought that was a really cool ending to the chapter because things are starting to get super weird, and you obviously just got tricked into pushing Prompto off the plane or off the train. But things are so weird that that my notes say Arden may have tricked me into killing Prompto. <laughs> like, I don't even know. I have no idea. And I'm kind of cool with that. <laughs> Which, I don't know, just makes the whole, he's so confused with us just a little bit ago, even more strange. Because yeah. it seems like it's part of his plan. Mm-hmm. And as we learn, he's someone who's been around for a long time. He's probably got lots of time to come up with these plans. And well, then, and wasn't it on the train? Isn't this when he tells us that he's immortal? I don't think it's this part. I think it's later. Okay. But yeah, we do we do learn that he is immortal. Mm-hmm. So that takes us to the next chapter, End of Days. Now, for Pocket Edition, it's just a continuation of Chapter 8, but for the main version, this is Chapter 12. Noct wakes up sometime later, still on the roof of the train, and travels toward the front in a tunnel, fighting lots of goblins and gargoyles. And by the time he gets to the front, he's just almost completely overwhelmed by demons. And all of a sudden, Leviathan shows up and takes everybody out and saves the day. I don't remember that happening. Do you remember Leviathan showing up? No. You don't remember Leviathan? The train, the train's moving, and Noct is getting really close to the front of the train. Demons are coming up, like the the big spider demons, the spider mm-hmm. women demons are coming up on the front of the train. Leviathan, and we're, we're out of the tunnel at this point, and then Leviathan comes out from nowhere and just starts, you know, snaking around like a leviathan would do oh, yeah. shooting these water snakes all right. over the place now i remember and i'm like oh my god the emperor's got leviathan i'm under attack how am i ever going to get through this <laughs> but then all of a sudden like it's just like waves huge waves coming and it just swirls everybody up until like a tornado kind of thing mm-hmm. and all the and, and all the bad guys just disappear and so that's... this is how bad 13 was <laughs> chapter 13 that i forgot about an awesome thing like leviathan coming you're making me hate 13 even more. Just just by going through this. <laughs> we arrive in Tenebrae without Prompto. And RNA is there. And she meets us at the train station. We learn a few things here while talking to her. She's no longer working for the Empire. She and her men are in the search and rescue business now. 
She says the chancellor is running some circus. The high commander got the axe. That's Ravis. Mm-hmm. Like literally, he's supposed to be dead. And the emperor is no more than a husk at this point. Everyone in charge is gone now. It's total chaos. All hell broke loose in the demon labs. So these people who we think are like the bad guys and we're going, they're having their own problems, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've, they've been off more they can chew. Is that the, is that the sure. idiom I'm supposed that, to use that here? Works. They've developed these demons and apparently they just been overrun by them and couldn't apparently, contain them. Apparently they don't play video games because it's a pretty common <laughs> story in video games. And so it was, it was right at this point where I'm like, really? Like, so this guy, the emperor is not a thing. The empire, the whole empire is falling apart. It's in RNA got the hell out of there. And so now it's just basically Arden who is, is our, is our challenge here. But Arden's the far more interesting challenge. Yeah. But it just, it went from, I have to fight this entire empire to, I have to fight this one guy. And at this point, we don't know that he's immortal. We don't know his story yet. Right. But. It it seemed like we were working toward this like climax, and then it just it just kind of just went, disappeared and got shoved away and whatever. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I wasn't I wasn't that upset about it because there's still still some major issues for you to deal with. You're you're still without Prompto. You know, you've got to figure out what happened to Prompto and get him back if he's still alive. Even you still need to recover the crystal. You still have a war to win. Right, but what war? Like the war isn't with the Empire. It still is. The Empire still took over Insomnia. Yeah, but they're like there's nobody in charge anymore. So like Well, they the didn't say that nobody's is... in charge. It's just that there's issues. You know? Well, she says specifically everyone in charge is gone now, either dead or just gone. So they have no leadership at the moment. So it's just chaos. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think like obviously they're a threat in the sense that there's still a lot of soldiers and whatnot all right. around. But it's not organized anymore. So I feel like it's less less of a threat. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And it's actually more like the demons are the problem here. Yeah. And maybe it, maybe it's one of those, it's it's us teaming up with what we thought were the bad guys to beat the real bad guy. Like maybe we're going to team up with what's left of the Empire to take care of the demons. Mm. That could be. Kind of hope not, but could be. Arne also says that her buddies Biggs and Wedge are going to finish taking us to Gralia. We need someone to drive the train for us. She yes. also what said one of my favorite lines from this entire game. Really? What? When we were talking to her about Prompto. I, well, I guess I'm not sure if it was Prompto or Luna. It would work in either case. She says, quit moping and keep hoping. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like something that would be on a cat calendar with like a kitten <laughs> hanging from a wire. Quit moping. Keep hoping. She mentions this theory that the crystal poses a threat to the demons and that not even the emperor was allowed near it. We meet up with Maria, who is a retainer in service to House Fleuret, and she wanted to chat with us while we were here. And she asks if Luna gave us the ring, and we said yes, she's really happy. And she also says that Lord Ravis, too, will be overjoyed, which I was confused about because he's like a bad guy who's been trying to stop us, but he will be happy that we got the ring. But yeah. we started getting some cutscenes that I think help explain some of this. This first cutscene is uh, Ravis and Luna are in a room together, and Luna is sitting in a chair, but she's just struggling to to stay up. Um, she appears really exhausted, uh, but she does she hold she's holding onto the ring. So we know this is you know obviously at some point in the past she's practically begging Ravis to take the ring to Noct because 
She just doesn't have the strength anymore to go. And she says, already my flesh has begun to fail me. I don't know if that, I don't, I was picturing like flesh falling off of her <laughs> skin, just sliding off. But I think that she means that her, she's dying. Yeah, she's physically dying. But Ravis insists that she needs to be the one to do it. He's, he's not going to help her. I was really confused by this. Why is she dying? What's killing her? I don't know, but I was thinking it was something to do with just she's the oracle and, and maybe this is after she's been interacting with the gods. There seems to be some, it's part of the whole king of kings and oracle that they're just destined to, for tragedy. Like hmm. at some point later on, I think it's with Gentiana that something about she says at first the father had mourned the fate of his chosen son. And so I got, I took the impression or I got the impression that by not being chosen as the person to do this, that things aren't going to end well for him. Right. And maybe the same thing is true for the Oracle that I mean, she seemed, she seems to, to know that she's not going to survive this. Um, she's not going to be able to have a long life with knocked. And she seemed satisfied in that one like dreamlike sequence where she was saying goodbye to Noct, she seemed satisfied that she did her duty and, you know, that she was done. Right. But yeah, I have no idea why specifically. Yeah, it's well, yeah, because it seems like her duty is just to get this ring to Noct and maybe not, and, and maybe broaden his knowledge of the overall situation of what's going on here with, with the gods and, and a lot of the stuff that we figure out at the end of 13. But yeah, I... I I wasn't really following why she was dying and, and all of that. Flesh falling off of her body. Pretty gross. Back to Noct, we head back to the train station, and just outside, a young girl stops us and tells us some nice things, which is good. This girl says, were you excited to marry Luna? Because she was so excited to marry you, she really loved you. And they, they go on and on a little bit, but basically Noct seems pretty happy to be hearing these things mm -hmm. from this little girl. So we got an answer to a question we had in the previous episode. What's up? We wondered if Luna's address would have been seen or heard by anyone mm. outside of the town. And one of the people here at the train station says that it was broadcast on the radio. Radio. Yeah. Confirmed. They have radio. So I want to know how they have cell phones. They must how have much radio. smarter than me are you? How long did it take you to realize that this house Flore or whatever was Luna's house? Oh, I knew right away. It it's Luna, not Luna. Was it Luna Knox Flore? Is that I, her see, name? I totally had forgotten her last name. Oh. I'm like, what is this house that we're at? <laughs> and then, you know, after after all the cutscenes and talking with Maria and all that, I'm like, oh, this is Luna's house. Yeah, she mentions like, you know, I haven't seen you since you were real young. You probably don't remember me. Kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. We also learned here that Ravis has King Regis's glaive, which is a sword. Mm, yes, which is. One of the royal arms. How does Ravis have it? And I don't think we ever heard why. No, like not that whether I can he, think of. He stole it after the after they took over the castle, or if he had it previously as a gift. Or if like he, if he took it, that would be my first thought. Is that after taking over Insomnia, that okay? He took he took the sword then. Mm -hmm. But why does Maria know about it? Oh yeah. So he must have had it earlier. You would think. But yeah, because he's not. He's not part of our family. Like, no. So it's not like something that, okay, well, maybe he's like an older brother or something that would have it, but that's mm -hmm. not what's going on here. No. Maybe our families trusted each other at some point in the past. And, and they're just lending each yeah, other. Safe, safeguarding the family very heirlooms. extremely important <laughs> powers here. 
After we talk with the young girl, there's another cutscene, this time with Gentiana and Luna. And primarily it's about Gentiana telling Luna how how important she is, that it's it's her, the girl, not the king, who holds the true power. Like that's the importance of the Oracle. They they're talking about the marriage, I think, with between her and Noct. And Luna's talking about how she doesn't have anything to offer a king and that she would just be happy to see Noct again and be at his side. It's not like a she doesn't want to like be like the guide or whatever necessarily. She just wants to like be with him and Mm -hmm. not she wants that sort of relationship more so than a I'm just here to shepherd you to the next area kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Like you, you've got Maria talking to you and you've got this other little girl talking to you about how much they think that, that Luna actually loved knocked because we've been wondering that this whole time too, whether this was just a, a politically arranged marriage, but this cutscene really actually confirms it. No, she absolutely loved him and wanted to be his wife, not just some political pawn. And I was thinking the exact same thing as I was watching these, and I thought, I wish they had put these before her death. Yeah. I wish we had gotten to know this beforehand. Right, because it would have made it more impactful. This is when Gentiana says, at first the father had mourned the fate of his chosen son. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else to read into that, but she she talks kind of cryptically, so it's kind of hard to understand what it is, what it is she's right. trying to say. Right. We get back on the train and start continuing our trip. Aranea says that she will stay to watch over Tenebrae. At some point during the trip, the train stops because there's a bunch of snow and ice blocking the path. We get out and see the body of the next god, the Glacian. We fight a bunch of demons. There's this awful boss called Deathclaw, which is like a big scorpion crab thing. Mm-hmm. And this is where I started to feel like these bosses are getting tough because they just kept, they just keep killing me. And it's basically go in, attack, 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 get hit. Cause like, there's no way I can avoid the attack. I can't get away fast enough. I don't mm. have, I don't have the ability to warp up to some high place to, to avoid. And, and even if I like, even if I anticipate the attack coming and I try to tap outside of the area to get knocked to move before the attack comes, he just doesn't do it. Oh, And so it's hit. Push, pause, potion, 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 unpause, <laughs> attack, 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 get hit, pause, potion, potion, potion. And, th- and that's just my approach now with these bosses because mm. they're, just, they're just taking too much damage. Hmm. And it takes a long time to, to kill them. I'm amazed that that's an issue on the pocket edition. Like You would think that you would be, because it sounds like you're like me, underleveled. But there's nothing you can do about that in the pocket edition. No, there you can't go back. You can't grind. But you know the the powers that charge up over time, like the using all the royal arms at once. Yeah, those things do so much damage. I mm-hmm. basically just try to hold off as long as I can until those things charge up, and then I go. You know, I still haven't figured out how to do the the one that the royal arms one you're talking about is the armiger, mm-hmm. or however you pronounce that. I haven't figured out how to how that even becomes available it sure would have helped in my battle against ravis <laughs> yeah you just need to use your powers but it doesn't show up it's probably some ap that i haven't spent yeah something. probably you should Maybe. look through that probably should i'm so glad i only have one page of upgrades not upgra- upgrade tree them yeah <laughs> i mean it's getting to the point where i i'll read through them and be like i don't really care about that and mm-hmm. just choose not to do it but so i have some points left over now I'm just spending points just just to feel complete, like I filled out the tree. <laughs> right. So you didn't have any problems with this boss? I don't remember having any scorpion crab problems. death claw thing. 
Afterwards, we return to the train. It's cold and very windy inside. Arden's there, and we see that Gladio and Ignis are somehow unconscious. Gentiana appears, and she walks toward us and then, like, puts her finger up on Arden's mouth, like, on his lips, and, like, like she's saying, shh, and he just <laughs> freezes instantly, like, this time actually in ice. Like, yeah. he's frozen. There's a flash of light, and she reveals herself to be the Glacian, Shiva. So she is the next god. She gives her the, the blessing and another royal arm to Noct, which is the trident of the oracle, which is what Luna had when summoning Leviathan. Okay. Yeah, that's not exactly how it worked for me. So, okay, I'm, I've started watching you. I was watching you during the stream of yours, and I'm very glad I did because I was working on the notes for this mm-hmm. at the same time in about the same area, so it was really nice to be able to do a, a quick comparison. And all of a sudden, like for me, this just, I go on to the next thing. But for the for the console version or the main version, you get to start talking with Shiva here and start asking right. her questions, and you get a ton of what looks like lore, background information, oh, yeah. and I didn't get any of that. So uh, I'm hoping that you have something to share, because I would like to know more about this game that I'm playing. I do. Okay, sweet. Real quick before we do that, though, if Gentiana is the Galatian, what was the giant thing that the Empire killed? I have no idea. A snowman. She built a snowman, <laughs> made it look like herself, <laughs> kicked it over. Right. I don't think that's it. Okay. So, yeah, bef- before getting the trident, you have two dialogue options, and you obviously pick both of them. One to ask about the past, and then one to ask about the hope of the future. And in the past, she talks about how she is one of the six called the Frostbearer, and that there was another one of the six gods that she calls the pyre burner. This guy is all about fire. And that back at like the beginning of creation or whatever, the pyre burner was largely responsible for using his flame to help create the world and everything that the humans had. So, you know, really important guy. And that there was this place called Solheim, S-O-L-H-E-I-M, And that's where all of these people were. And it says eventually, Solheim spurns the gods who bless them. And the pyre burner gets super mad (laughs) and decides, that's it. I'm going to war with these people. (laughs) And like the other six are like, "Uh, no, our job, we've been sworn to protect the humans and the star. Everything is about the star. And so this huge war rages on basically with like a bunch of the gods fighting against the pyre burner and the humans are all intertwined with all of this. And then it says that after the war, the world of man is in ruins. Their star left scarred for time eternal, which kind of makes me think demon the scourge thing. And that wearied from the war, the six seek solace in slumber. So they all go to sleep at this point, basically. That's the end of the the stuff in the past. Then we ask about the future. And she says, while still asleep, the pyre burner is sought by a man who draws him away from the light. The frost bearer rushed to help him. It feels like there's some missing pieces (laughs) in here. But, you know, the pyre burner gets some human is like, hey, yo, we can work together and and. I guess, take over the world. I don't really know. But the Frostbearer sees that this is a trap or whatever. And the Frostbearer and the Pyreburner are in love. Like they're whatever. And so she rushes to help him. 
but is felled by the foreign hordes, is what it says. And the foreign hordes sounds like the Empire, is kind of what I took away from this. But she doesn't say. She just says foreign hordes. Those masses are now one with the darkness. Darkness that before long will swallow the six and the star they protect. The star's fate now rests in the hands of the chosen. Okay, so, so the, the horde could be the demons. It could right? be the demons. Unless the gods just associate people and the demons all together. Like, they're yeah. just these little things, whatever, they're in our way. But it doesn't sound like it if they're sworn to protect the star and the planet and people on it. And then Noct is obviously the chosen one, right? No, maybe right. not. Maybe no, I, he I isn't. I think he is. Why, why do you think he might not be? Well, because of the stuff we learn about Arden in the next chapter, I'm starting to wonder if actually Arden is the chosen one. Remember back to when he kills Luna and she starts touching his arm and says something and he's like, or she says, I'll give it to the the true king or chosen one or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then touches him. Hmm. I don't know. Throwing that out there. We'll find out some more later. Yeah, that's weird. I still think Noct is the chosen one. Okay. You want to be the hero of the story. That's fine. (laughs) But so this is, this is really where the the true point of the game actually gets explained to us and you didn't get this and i didn't get it at all (laughs) i would have taken a a book version like a text i can read i can read text in the game that would have been fine go through some pages but yeah that seems strange that they would leave that out of the pocket edition seems really important it seems really important so you get those two and then i get another cutscene. gentiana's in a field of flowers with luna luna's crying gentiana asks are are you no different than common people, basically? And Luna says, referring to herself in the third person, she wants exactly what they do, they being common people, to be with the one she loves, but want though she may, it is not to be. And Gentiana says that Noct will one day know how Luna feels, and that the God's favor and the lady's love shall be with him evermore. And so you never got that cutscene either? No, well I got I got the cutscene where they're on they're out in the field, but it's Luna and Ravis first mm-hmm. talking and arguing about oh like Ravis doesn't agree with what Luna's doing that she's right. taking on this role. And then yeah, it just it just goes back to the train. So I didn't have I didn't have any cutscene with Gentiana at this point. Hmm. It's and it's not like it's super important. It's really just more backing of how Luna actually feels and a little bit more story in that that Gentiana is standing here on this train because she made a promise to Luna mm-hmm. that she would make sure that Noct knew how Luna felt and that he would get the blessing of the gods fully. And since she's one of them, she kind of needs to go and do that. And one of the ways she's going to do that is by giving you this trident. So that's where this cutscene that that part of the cutscene ends. We're back on the train with Gentiana. She hands mm. Noctis the trident, and Noct says, and I quote, Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you've got to say? <laughs> See, what I don't understand about these, these missing cutscenes from the Pocket Edition is that up to this point, it's, it's strange how similar the two games are the two versions of the game when it comes to cutscenes. These things are a shot for shot, like remake, right? 
and using the exact same dialogue, right? Voiceovers. Mm-hmm. They've created whole new environments, whole new models, and it reanimated everything. And everything is shot from the same camera angles. And so, at least when it comes to cutscenes, these things are actually pretty accurate or really similar to each other, except for the graphics. Why then, for these, would they not do that? I, the only reason I can come up with is that they're not, well, this last one in the field with Gentiana is not critical at all. But the other ones were kind of critical, and it's it was like they were nearing the end of the project and running out of money, and they had to decide what to cut, and so they decided to cut those. But, man, they were pretty important. Mm. Are you ever going to find out in the Pocket Edition about the Pyre Burner? Or are you going to finish the game as a Pocket Edition person going, wait, <laughs> I can count to six, <laughs> and I'm stuck at five? Yeah, I, unless unless this thing shows up. So assuming that Bahamut is not the this fire god, then maybe this fire god shows up in the last chapter. Well, and if Bahamut isn't the the pyre burner, then there's still a sixth god that we're waiting on. Right. <laughs> that neither of us know about. Yeah, right. That, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the pyre burner is Ifrit. He's one of the like fire summons from previous previous games and I mean, I have nothing to base that on except for that he's just fire-based. Well, but, and, and you've been saying that all of these gods have been in previous Final yeah, Fantasy yeah, games. Yeah, So I just looked up Ifrit on on Wikia, and this this looks like it could be the same guy because he's got these giant horns, and it, it I mean, it, the pictures that I'm seeing here, uh, because I, I'm not gonna scroll down to the section for Final <laughs> Fantasy 15, but there is a but, section for Final Fantasy 15. Is there? Oh, I, okay. oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. But uh, the, it shows like Final Fantasy three oh, okay. and Final Fantasy four, and I'm just not gonna keep scrolling. <laughs> uh, but it it looks like yeah, it probably is that probably is what the Pyre Burner's name actually is. But we haven't seen it unless you have seen it. No. So like during the cutscene where she's explaining all this stuff, you don't see pictures or oh, images. Oh no, I've seen yeah, I've seen him, and he looks like a a tall, slender dude with big horn things okay. coming well, out of his okay. head. Okay, that's got to be looks it. like this. Yep. So yeah, all right. So then, if that's the case, then that would be God number five, and then probably Bahamut is number six. Yeah, given that he's gigantic and godlike. Sure, and looks like Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> but I have no idea who Bahamut is because I haven't played the other Final Fantasy games like you have. Back on the train, Nock walks up to our frozen arch nemesis Arden and punches him or hits him. No, hits him with the trident mm-hmm. and Arden just shatters. He just falls apart like just broken ice. Right. And I'm like, yes, finally. But he comes back just mere moments later after uh, Nock sees a vision of Luna on the train and when he reaches out to her, she vanishes mm-hmm. in this like disappearing sparkles or something. It's a sad moment. Because it's right after he learns all this stuff. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's weeping on his knees in the main version when, when she appears. Yeah, yeah. But then Arden shows up, tells us he's immortal. And that Prompto and the Crystal are in Gralia, which is the capital of the Empire, which is where we're heading mm-hmm. in the train. Right. And that wraps up uh, that chapter. So we find out here that Arden's immortal. We've heard about someone else who's immortal, supposedly immortal. Oh, uh, geez, that's going back. Uh huh. It's going way back. Way, way back to like the first, probably the second episode we did of this. Uh, what's his name? 
But they, it was his nickname was the Immortal, wasn't mm-hmm. it? It sure was. And his name was Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't Bob, was it? Core. Core. Yeah, Core the, the Immortal. Immortal. That's interesting. Yeah. You, are you saying that Core is Arden? No, I'm not saying that Core <laughs> is Arden, but I'm wondering if there's more than one immortal character in this I'm game. I'm wondering if Core is going to play into the very end of this game in some way as maybe he is another immortal character. Oh, that'd be cool. Maybe he's Bahamut. Maybe he's Bahamut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Bahamut's human form. Right. Okay. And now we hit chapter 13. 13 in the main version, 8 in the pocket edition called redemption and we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of this episode Mm -hmm. but at at launch this chapter was not very well received by players for a number of reasons there is enough complaints that square enix actually responded in and decided to clean up this chapter with some patches first off i just like to ask was this chapter we've played now after post patches and all that how did how did you feel about this chapter after playing it well I didn't feel great about it, and as we've talked through this, I I feel less and less good about it. So I can't imagine what it must have been like before the patches. I mean, I like the ending. I like how much story we get at the ending. Man, it's super long. It's really hard. Some really frustrating fights. I felt completely unprepared for fighting Ravis near the end of it. And yeah, I didn't like it. I wasn't a big fan overall. I was not a big fan. Let's talk through some of the, ch- the actual changes here. So the, the big change is they decided to actually add a, an alternate route through the chapter, an al- basically an alternate version of the chapter. Mm-hmm. So at, at some point during this chapter, which we'll talk about in the recap here in a little bit, is you get separated from Ignis and Gladio. Right. And for the remainder of the chapter... You're basically playing as knocked the whole time. Mm-hmm. When that happens, you're given you're now given the choice to switch to the other people. And apparently you can switch back and forth anytime you stop at one of the at, at the dormitories. At the dorms. Yep. You can switch to the other side. And so it's a apparently like a 20-minute version oh, wow. of this chapter. It really cuts down on it. And it's not just like, well, let's just make it real short and like a shortcut through it. There's additional cutscenes, hmm. including some information about what actually happened to the Emperor and Ravis. Oh. So it's it's probably worth going back and and seeing those. And you can do that after you beat the game. Right. So after you beat the game, it becomes an option on the menu. You know when else you can do that? Whenever you want on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But maybe we should do that because we have a lot of questions about... Like, things just sort of happen with the Emperor and Ravis and we, it just... We don't have any explanation for it. And it yeah. might be worth taking a look at that. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. But if you do decide to stick with Noct and, and do the game originally, they did make some tweaks. First off, in this chapter, you lose your weapons. Right. right? But you also apparently lost sprinting in the original game. <laughs> and so not only were you running around with just this ring trying to zap people, but you also couldn't actually run. And and this level is huge. There's a lot of you know, walking around, backtracking and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that could be frustrating. So that was one of the, one of the changes they made with the patch. They gave you sprint. They also made all of the spells so much more powerful than they were before. And so it wouldn't take nearly as long to defeat enemies. Oh, yeah, because most of the enemies you fight are just, well, at least in the first half, are just little goblin guys. And 
It only takes a few seconds of zapping them with the primary power before they're dead. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. But if it was significantly weaker, then that would have been yeah, that would have been even less fun. And and the lack of sprinting would have been excruciating because a lot of these hallways and stuff that you're running down are super long and empty. Yeah, completely empty. When the game came out and and Square Enix officially said that they were going to be making changes to this. It brought up questions about, well, when's a good time to actually play this game? Mm-hmm. Should If you're just starting out, should you wait until the patch comes out? Especially they when they hinted at adding story content. It wasn't just gameplay tweaks. It was going to be, we're going to modify the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that that has continued through the release, uh, through DLC packs. They've been, there's been additional episodes for Gladio, Ignis, and Prompto which I assume cover the time periods when they're not in the party, right? So at, at some point, uh, Gladio left, right, uh, only to return as the not-so-secret, mysterious man helping us at the power plant. Uh, Prompto's still missing at this point, right? In this part of Chapter 13, yeah. And so I assume that his, his DLC chapter covers that. I, I kind of doubt it. You don't think so? I mean, maybe it does. Is but... there any other part in the game where we don't have Prompto? No, but what could possibly be going on here? He's basically just being held by Arden. Maybe, maybe put up a fight or something. And I don't know, maybe he escaped for a little bit and then got captured again. I don't know. And then I think that with Ignis, I'm thinking it's, it's the, like the Leviathan battle where he talks briefly in the last chapter about Mm. seeing Arden go up to the altar. It it felt like there was something more going on there, like a Mm. reason for why his he's now blind, right? Like there'd be some battle or something that would cover that, right? But that's I'm just guessing on those. But beyond the DLC, we also had the Royal Edition, Mm -hmm. which just came out recently, and that adds even more content to the game. So if you had played the game at launch, you're missing out on a lot of stuff, and it's not just things. It's not like a, a complete new expansion that you can just play at some point in the future and continue on from where you were. This is stuff that's integrated into the main story of the game. Yeah, but it is still side content. It's not like, does it matter what Gladio was doing during that time? No, not really. It's just more fun stuff to go and play and learn about. But it feels weird from a story perspective that he was just gone for seemingly no reason. I mean, I feel like, I feel like the game was written to set up this DLC. Like they intentionally left out parts Mm. of the story so they could sell it later. That's what it feels like. Because the story already feels bare bones as it is. Yeah. I mean, yes, it does kind of seem that way. But it to me, it doesn't seem so egregious as to be really upset about it. I think, you know, I, I do remember the controversy of when is the right time to play this game regarding Chapter 13 and its patch. But with with the DLC, especially if it is just revolving around when those characters were gone from the party, I don't think any of that is crucial enough to warrant being super upset by how they designed the dlc for this because i also wouldn't want the dlc to be completely worthless and and not relevant to the story at all because then why are you paying for it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i just i we should look into that because i'm curious like especially with prompto in his big reveal in this Mm -hmm. chapter of not being a real boy or something (laughs) that (laughs) he's pinocchio maybe there's more backstory there okay prompto Kind of sounds like Pinocchio. <laughs> they, they do both start with P and, and end, end with o. o. Theory proven. So the so that's it for changes. They they added the second route and made you be able to sprint and have your powers be stronger. Yeah, those are the like gameplay 
things. Yeah. It wasn't nearly as bad on the pocket edition. It 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 was a longer chapter though. It did take a while. And especially with these stealth sections, right? Because you got to take it much slower. But I found that even when I got caught, you just have a little battle, which is not bad. And then you just move on. So it wasn't even that big of a deal. Yeah, it wasn't that hard to fight against the rogue axemen. So unless there were a lot of them, I wasn't worried about being stealth. We talked a little bit about this chapter feels like a survival horror game. Mm -hmm. And it definitely does. It just it has that Resident Evil, like old Resident Evil PlayStation. Yeah type of feel to it especially when you'd see those bodies on the ground and then you'd walk past them and they'd grab at you like (laughs) zombies would (laughs) oh i think that was another thing that they changed in the patch is that the amount of time it would take to shake them off they they reduced that too so there's little tweaks in here to save you Mm. save you some time well if that's all the changes that we've got to discuss why don't we head into our recap okay we pick up back on the train we're heading to gralia which is the capital of the empire And once we get there, we're going to be looking for Prompto and the crystal in this mega fortress. There's some talk about whether the crystal can really stop the demons. They're a little skeptical, maybe. Our train stops again, and we're just surrounded by demons. But suddenly, Nox, he just doesn't have any of his powers. He doesn't have any weapons. He doesn't have any magic. It's just, we have nothing to fight with. So there's really nothing to do but to just run away from all these demons. And the plan is to just run to the car in wherever section of the train that it's in. Of course, we find it. We escape in the car. We have a little bit of a chase car sequence where we uh, drive really fast down the road, avoiding bombs coming at us. I may have glitched once or twice (laughs) where I didn't make it up over a ramp and I got stuck. (laughs) At the end, uh, the car is totaled. We get a little cutscene of Noct looking at the totaled car, and he has a flashback of seeing a younger version of his dad getting out of the car and it looks like that he's greeting his son because the camera kind of like runs up to him, like giving him a hug or something mm-hmm. like that. And as we come back to the present, we hear Noct say, dad, thanks for everything. The, the car scene, like when you're driving the car, really not all that great of like, they keep trying to do new things in, in these chapters to try to bring new types of gameplay. This wasn't good. It was boring. And I had, I'm driving along and just hoping that I don't have to repeat it because it's boring. (laughs) Just don't screw up so that I don't have to do this again. I liked it because I actually had some control of the car. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, sweet, I get to dodge things. This is what it's like to drive this thing. We get out of the car, we continue walking to the mega fortress. At some point, there's some debris that falls down, separates us from Ignis and Gladio, like we talked about earlier. We don't have any communication with them. We just keep going. So we're going through the city, avoiding demons. Still not able to attack at this point. But we do eventually find a place to hide. And Noct puts on the ring, but it seems like it's a very difficult thing to do. Mm -hmm. Or he's anticipating it being painful or something. Because it looks like it really hurt. And so now we have this like soul-sucking, go-to-another-dimension power. Where (laughs) you like point the ring at somebody and their health bar doesn't actually change. It turns into a different bar. And as you get that bar to shrink all the way down to nothing, it looks like this like mini portal opens up. And then they're and then they just disappear and and they're gone, which sounds like a really cool power if if it was really fast. But eventually we find the elevator into the fortress. So you only got one power at that point. I only had I think I had one power. I may have had the one where if you do a dodge, I think it's holy maybe where if you do a dodge, it it does some sort of attack. Oh, I forgot all about that one. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then I guess I had three because the first power that I get is 
I just hold my arm out and suck the energy out of people. But it, it didn't do any special health bar or anything for them. It just depleted their health bar. And oh, really? Because if reason, I were to stop doing it for some reason, it went back to just showing their full health bar. Oh, I guess I didn't notice on any point when I stopped doing it. No, maybe you just didn't stop. Think it you did. committed to you committed to sending these guys to another dimension. Well, and it does. I don't think it was doing that. It just killed them. What do you mean it killed them? Like it, they just fell over and yeah, they just died. The way that anything dies when you've defeated in battle in this no, game. No, it was showing like the. We, I don't remember there being a little. Do you have like thing. a? Well, you said you had the big power. Yeah. Right? So I get another power that I, that I mentioned earlier that that zaps everything around me into another void, mm-hmm. and I guess I. Don't I didn't pay any attention to see if it did anything with their health bars. They just after a few seconds and crazy animations and stuff, everything disappeared. Yeah. So for me, when I that happens a few times, but it's not under my control. Oh. It was just, you know, scripted at times where mm-hmm. he would do the giant kill everybody at once thing. But for me, when I see that, it is like a big orb yeah. kind of thing. And it looks just like that for the for the ring, just smaller version of it. When when I deplete the enemy's bar, mm. they just it orbed and they were gone, and the oh. orb was gone. Maybe I that's just all wasn't that it was looking close enough. Then yeah, you're. I'm not as observant as you're you are. just too busy looking at Nox's awesome hair. It is pretty awesome, and it's more than three polygons for me. Triangles, man. <laughs> we head up to the upper levels. Uh, Arden is taunting us through the loudspeakers the whole time. We go through these stealth sections. We do see what looks like Prompto, so we're sort of like our main goal here is to be chasing after him, but when we do find him in a chair, it turns out to be just another one of the soldiers, mm-hmm. and he's a fake. We come across this big central elevator, and Arden, helpful as always, says we should take it because it'll take us to our goal, but the elevator is not activated. We need to go around and push some buttons and find some things, turn it back on. There's another stealth section, this time with this gigantic orc looking thing gargantua for me this was this is another like mini game you just mentioned that they keep trying to introduce new gameplay Mm. things and this is another part where it changes up for me where i don't actually have control over nox movement other than he's automatically moving and i hold down on the screen to make him stop (laughs) and so it's him creeping along this predetermined path around boxes and then whenever i think that this guy is going to swing his giant axe. I just hold down the button so that he hides. And then mm. I wait for him. I wait for the gargantuan one to kind of look around, turn his body, and then I let go and he continues right. moving again. I assume that you had full control over. Yeah, I had full control. The The only thing that made this part frustrating was I had a hard time finding where I was supposed to go. Mm. The The map was drawn kind of weirdly on the mini map, and I thought there were paths when there weren't because of different. They were actually like below me and stuff like that. Oh. So, uh, I ended up using my my zap into the void power a few times just because it was fun. But then he would come back. So. <laughs> That's funny. I had no way to fight that thing. After partially activating the elevator, this gargantua guy knocks us back to the lower levels, which is a little frustrating. There we find Ravis's body and the king's glaive that was hinted at earlier. Mm-hmm. We travel through the what looks like a demon factory. There's some toxic gas. Uh, at some point, we get to the end of the hallway into a room where there's an elevator and we're waiting for the elevator to come down. But there's like this scary monster. Like, I don't know if it's one of the gargoyles, um, but it's pretty big. It looks like a boss kind of thing, but we really can't do anything about it. And so we just have to wait for the elevator to come. Yeah, that was a frustrating part because there was the magic powers uh, didn't do anything to him. And I 
wasn't strong enough to hurt him. So I burned up a couple of oceans before that elevator even arrived. Were you able to like warp up into some area and wait? I don't think there were any places that could have warped. And even if I could have, he's, I think he was a flying monster, wasn't he? So he probably could have just jumped up and gotten me. When you warp up somewhere and hang like that, can you just do that indefinitely? Or is there some sort of stamina bar or? There's, it uses stamina to do the warp, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't use stamina to, to hang on. Okay. The elevator comes, we take it. We continue through the fortress. Arden continues to taunt us. He talks about demon origins. We come across a large room with walls lined with chambers that are all housing these soldiers, the MT guys, and they start coming out and there's a big fight. Then we go to a trap room. Arden has led us there and it's the trap room in which it's like a corridor actually. And soldiers are in there. We have to fight them and the walls are closing in. Well, the one wall is closing in from one side, pushing us against like an electrified mm. opening. And like the Resident Evil movie. Like what? The Resident Evil yeah, movie. Yeah, kind of like, <laughs> wow, this is all making sense now. <laughs> but while this is happening, we start hearing Gladio and Ignis. Mm. And they're actually just in the next room on the other side of the electrified opening. So they save us by opening the door for us. And soon after that, we actually find the real Prompto. When you were running down this hall, did you get a, a message from, from Arden? Where he's like, in case it wasn't obvious, yes, this is yes. a trap you're running into. <laughs> yes, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's, uh, I like listening to him. Yeah. You know, I think his dialogue is great. His dialogue here about the demons I did write down because it seemed important. He says, ever wonder where demons come from? Once upon a time, they were children of nature, beasts and men. Aw, and you've killed so many. The infantry units you callously dub MTs all began as babes in this very facility imprinted with serial codes and incubated until they were strong enough to fight yeah so it's it's people that you've been killing it's this kind of made me think back to mass effect yeah mass effect andromeda when it when you find out that it are you going to spoil mass effect andromeda right now i i mean i (laughs) i would think that most of our listeners have probably played through that series but maybe not a very good assumption at all but i thought the same thing but it We'll probably get to this later when we, we get to the end and we start learning more about the history of the scourge and stuff. But it so are they they're are they growing demons from like little tiny like things like baby demons babies and 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 they're growing up or are they infecting existing people and turning them into demons or you know maybe it's a combination of both. Yeah, it he kind of makes it sound like it's just people mm-hmm. and that they do something to them right. So yeah, we actually find the real Prompto. I'm glad, I thought for sure this was going to be another fake Mm -hmm. and that we're just going to have to keep going. But it was nice that it was actually the real one as far as we can tell. (laughs) (laughs) You can't believe anything anymore. (laughs) The next thing we need to do is find a way to restore our powers. Ignis says that he, he hears a sound, the same sound he heard on the train when we first lost the powers. And so there must be something nearby that's causing this. Mm -hmm. There's a building that houses some what looks like servers but we can't get in because it's locked and shockingly prompto says he can open the door because he has the serial number encoded on him as well because it turns out he's actually an mt we enter the room and destroy the machine that has been inhibiting nox powers this was supposed to be a pretty moving scene i think it was it had a little bit of emotion to it like i i like the fact that you know the the message here is it it doesn't 
it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. Like you're still still our friend. You're still basically our brother in this. We're not going to judge you for what you came from. You've proven yourself to us over the last however many years that they've been friends. And so that's that's a nice message to get during a pretty downtrodden episode or chapter, I suppose. Yeah, I thought the message was fine. It's just where did this come from? Like it felt like we needed some way to get into this door. I know. We'll just we'll just make a character be able to do it. Well, yeah, and every MT has a barcode on them that can open any door in the mega fortress that doesn't make any sense. No, that doesn't sound very secure at all. No. I just I wish that like this could have been hinted at throughout the game like Prompto is real secretive about his past. He t- he makes references to to certain people but won't talk about them anymore. Like there's no hint whatsoever that there's anything going on with Prompto. And I'm also a little confused did he he already knew about this, right? He knew. I think so. But like sometimes it feels like he just learned about it and other times it feels like because he says something about how not exactly a secret that I could, or not something I would really want to tell growing up in insomnia and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But so it, does it feel like he he, well, he he does know, or is he just learning about this? No, I, I think he does know. But you remember way back, I think it was during the open world, I had that cutscene with Prompto where we were like sitting on the roof of a building or something like that. And he was pouring his heart out to me about how much it meant for us to be friends and all that stuff. Do you remember that? And did you have that cutscene? I certainly didn't. I kind of feel like I should go back and watch that again to see if there was any sort of foreshadowing at this because it doesn't feel like there was. I mean, he he mentions that he's different, but you're you're left thinking, well, no kidding. You're not a prince. <laughs> I'm a prince. You're not. You have an unhealthy obsession with chocobos, which we can all understand. <laughs> Just like Joe. <laughs> After we get our powers back, we soon find ourselves into basically a boss rush. We first fight the Gargantua and actually kill him this time. Mm-hmm. We then fight the Emperor. Yeah. I, th- <laughs> I think. So, I still don't get this. Okay, so it's really strange because when you're doing this battle, there's this, you know, demon gargoyle looking thing, but not as big as the other gargoyles. And when it talks, it sounds like the Emperor. But there's also another character in there that has the guy's name, the emperor's name on it. It does not call it, it's not labeled emperor, but it's just like, it's got like alder capped written on it over this character, but it looks just like one of the other just generic bad guys. So I'm wondering if like the label was just wrong. I think the emperor is the gargoyle looking dude. What do you think? Well, I totally missed this. Didn't, didn't get any hints that, that stood out to me that I was fighting the emperor guy. And I'm not even sure how you recognized him by his voice. We only heard him once. And it was at the beginning of the game. Cause it had his name. It said emperor and he has some subtitles. That's how I knew during this fight. Yeah. Like right as you're coming into it or maybe, well, it can't be when you're leaving cause he's dead, but well, there actually was, there was a little bit of dialogue too. But when I was watching you play for a little bit after this battle, there is some conversation about like what what happened to that guy or something like that. Do you, do you remember that at all? A little, but it never occurred to me. I thought it was just another random guy. No, he's the he's the emperor. That's it. Doesn't make any sense. Like I I might be able to jump on board with this if it made any sense at all. 
Well, the, 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 the darkness, the scourge, whatever, is infecting more and more people, right? Mm-hmm. There's documents lying around this facility implying that there's an infection or that this is spreading and that half, at some point it's like half the people have been oh. turned or something. So I assume that this is, he's, he's just, they've lost control of the demons. He has been turned into a demon and we just had to kill him because what else do you do with demons? Oh. Take them out to lunch. Okay. I'm on board with that. That works. We just didn't get to see it happen, right? We didn't right. get to see. We saw this character as in the in the first chapter as as a uh, cliffhanger, like mm-hmm. oh boy, here's our bad guy, and then never heard from him again until now, right? And we never saw anything happen. So it's kind of like okay, he's the emperor, but so what? <laughs> but like I said, there is apparently something in the alternate version of this chapter, the alternate route that does have some more explanation. Mm. After fighting him, we fight Ravis, who <sighs> we thought was already dead. They've said, well, you know what? <laughs> they said that he was ordered to be executed, but he must not have been. I assumed he was dead at this yeah. point. But here he, he asked to be killed. He's begging to be killed. <laughs> right. And uh, he's like... Then he should have gone a little more willingly. <laughs> For me, this was just any other old boss fight. I mean, it took a little bit of health off of him. I used the, the Royal Arms Mega Move and, you know, took a bunch of health off and he wasn't, he wasn't too bad. But this is when I stopped watching you play because you were just taking tiny little bits of health <laughs> off of him and it was taking forever and I, I just couldn't watch anymore. Yeah, when you're level 39 and you're going up against a level 44 boss, it ain't fun. It wasn't fun at all. It uh, used... Every potion I had, every high potion I had, every mega phoenix I had, and I think I was down to one phoenix down left. I used most of my elixirs and most of, maybe all of my elixirs and most of my high elixirs. (laughs) It was stupid. Like, (laughs) you're not kidding when you say just like fractions of a sliver every time I would hit him. And every time he would hit me, I'd get knocked down Mm -hmm. every single time. It was yeah. awful. I didn't realize the game had that sort of rolling hit point counter in a sense where y- you got hit. It says you have zero health, mm-hmm. but you're still able to walk around because it's like it's waiting for the meter to catch up, right? Like you've got some time. Well, but it won't. You could wander around all you want and it won't. You have two options. You can use a potion or you can wait for one of your bros to come in and do the same thing as taking a potion. Really? So how do you get a game over? Does everybody have to die? Um, When you're in that state, there's like a darker gray version of your health bar. And if that goes to zero, then you're dead and it's game over. Okay. Okay. And that's what I meant by rolling. Like, okay, it's instant zero. You've been knocked down to nothing, Mm -hmm. but it's actually giving time for it to actually take effect until it actually hits zero. Yeah. And so you've got time to heal yourself, have somebody else heal yourself. But it also looked like that once it does hit zero, you have like a, a little brief moment you do. where that, you can still do a phoenix down. down on yourself. Yeah. Yep. That's really cool. After Ravis, the boss rush continues with all of the previous bosses showing simultaneously in one room. <laughs> <laughs> Which, imagine how I felt at this point. <laughs> You've got no I items. I just used everything trying to fight Ravis. And now there's... 30 monsters in the room with me and there is no hope of me surviving this. 
This was almost a controller chucking moment for me. <laughs> you know, I was fighting and it seemed like, you know, maybe I could do this, but it just kind of it just kept going on for a while. And I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to run out of potions or something here. But at some point, Ignis suggests that we knocked just just leave them and go find the crystal because if if it's true the crystal can stop demons then maybe that's just a better shot than what we've got <laughs> right. going on here so we leave we escape the hangar and make our way to the elevator arden over the loudspeakers continues to taunt betraying your friends for the greater good the mark of a monarch step forth your majesty <laughs> this is exactly what he wants we've all just been playing into his into his plan this whole time mm-hmm. yeah so we find our way to the crystal up the elevator. So we find the crystal. It looks like a large like crystal geode, big enough for a human to fit inside. But there's like this swirly portal thing inside of it. And what's really cool is the background music for this is the Final Fantasy crystal music, which you hear in almost every single game. It is the <laughs> very first piece of music that you hear in the very first Final Fantasy game when you boot up the game. Oh, that's cool. When you turn on the game and it has like a blue screen with, it's almost like a, a scroll, right? There's text explaining the story, I guess, like mm. what this world is, and it has this crystal music playing. So that's cool. Noct goes up to, kind of like he reaches out, asking the crystal for help, but the crystal starts to pull him inside, which he's not ready to do at this point. Arden shows up in person to tell us the story. Now, Arden, and later on Bahamut, don't speak modern English all the time. <laughs> and so I have tried to translate into what I think is happening here. He says, long ago, a scourge twisted men into monsters, just like the demons that we've seen. There was a person in Lucis who could cure people, and it sounded like he would host the demons in, in his body, and somehow that would get rid of the demons. Yeah, like suck the demons out of people and <laughs> mm, engulf yummy. them in himself. Yeah. But there was a jealous king who hated this healer because he had not been chosen by the crystal to be king yet, or to be the true king or the chosen. Mm-hmm. Somehow turning him into a monster. Now, this use of the word him is confusing to me because it is a pronoun and there are two male characters that we are talking about mm-hmm. right now. And I cannot tell who is who. So is he saying that the healer becomes a monster or is he saying that the king becomes a monster? I don't know. Let's continue. Arden says, you know, he lied about his name. His real name is actually Arden Lucis Kylum. What? What? Wait, you're like a relative? A relative of mine? That's my exact same name. It's not good buddy, Artie. It's Uncle Artie. <laughs> Uncle Artie says, you'll never guess whose name... <laughs> <laughs> you almost did it with a straight face. Well, you started. You started laughing. Uncle Artie says, you'll never guess whose name Azunia was. <laughs> you're right. I can't, I can't, can't guess. No. Please tell me. <laughs> Was it the healer or was it the king? Because well, I don't think we've ever heard the name Azunia it's before. Chancellor Azunia. That's that's what his name is. I'm Arden. Arden Azunia. I'm Chancellor. That, that's the name. Oh, he's that's been, his name. That's the name he's been going by. And so now it's like <laughs> I'm 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 using the wrong name. My this is my real name, and I'm using the name of the other person. I but I don't know if Arden is the healer or if he is the king. Oh, that makes it more confusing. In any case, he says. Killing you when you're mortal would not be satisfying, so go ahead and take the crystal's power first, and then we'll, we'll, we'll chat later. He says he can only know redemption after the crystal and king are gone. Right. Let's talk about all of it after we talk about the, the conversation with Muhammad. Oh, okay. Because I think it helps clear it up a little. Okay. Uh, Nox pulled into the crystal. 
at which point Ignis Gladio and Prompto show up to beat the crap out of Arden. Arden falls like he's dead, but he quickly gets back up as if nothing happened, except he kind of looks like a zombie now. Mm-hmm. We now see inside the crystal, Noctis floating around, not unlike the dream sequence, dream-like sequence we saw earlier in the game. And he is in there with another creature, Bahamut, who is a gigantic god. Looks like Voltron. Who looks like a (laughs) Japanese mecha. He explains to Noct why Noct is there and what he has to do, you know, to finish his role or what have you. He is even more cryptic. Oh, yeah. Than Arden is. He's been in this crystal for who knows how long. He doesn't realize what the slang is, the modern, <laughs> the modern tongue. So, again, let me try to translate. He says, we're in the heart of the crystal, which is also where the soul of the star is. This is where the king gains the power to fulfill his calling. The six gods have seen this moment when the crystal will transfer all of its power to the ring, at which point the true king can ascend. Only the true king can get rid of the immortal accursed and restore light to the world. The accursed is a guy cursed with eternal life by the scourge. He's so bad. He's such a bad person that he was denied the light and forbidden to ascend. He's so angry, the usurper came to bring darkness to the world. He mentions providence, and he says that providence is a power given that is greater than the the six gods, and it purifies everything, and that Noct must receive it at the throne, but in order to receive it, he must sacrifice his own life. He says... Many sacrificed all for the king, so must the king sacrifice himself for all. At that point, Noct enters what they call reflection, and he just seems to be floating in the crystal for some period of time, gaining power. The ring seems to be absorbing power, and we see some short flashbacks to previous parts of the game, kind of like, I'm about to die, see my life flash before my eyes kind of thing. First question. We have the accursed and we have the usurper, but it sounds like they're the same person. Yeah, I think they're both. Why do they have different names? Why do they have different titles? I I think to describe more about them, because calling him the accursed helps you to know that or to remind you that he is the one who has been cursed with immortality and all of this other stuff. And uh, they're calling him the usurper because a usurper is someone who tries to steal away the throne. That's what a usurper is, someone who comes in and kills the king and takes over. Mm-hmm. So Arden is from the line of Lucis, so he's sort of potentially going to be a king. And they call him a king a few times, mm-hmm. but he never gets to ascend. He never gets to become the king because he's such a horrible, evil person. And so instead of calling him a king, he's calling him a usurper. And that's, that's, you know, someone who is a usurper demands that he be called king. And if you call him a usurper, you'll probably get killed by the king for doing so. <laughs> sure, I just got confused because it was literally back-to-back sentences. Oh, yeah. Using a different title to refer to the same person. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So if what you're saying is true, then if we go back to the story that Arden is telling, doesn't it make sense then that Arden is the king? Who, who has not been chosen. Yes. And that he's the one who is not a real big fan of this healer. Right. And that it isn't the healer who turned into a monster. It's Arden. It's Arden who has become a monster. And, he, and because of those actions and what he has become with the help of the Scourge, mm-hmm. 
that that is he is the one who has been refused to be ascended. Right. Now in the in the lore of this game, what does it mean to be ascended? I think it means to become the king. Well, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I can't think of anything else that it would mean. I suppose it could mean to fully take on the power of the crystal, but I don't think that's what it is. I think it's just you become king. So because of because of this, or maybe not even related, he's immortal and can't die. Right. And so trying to piece together his plan here, because he seems to be planning this from the beginning, right? We mm-hmm. see him in chapter one, and he's been helping us out. We've been wondering why this guy keeps helping us. If he's with the Empire, why is he helping us? And it, it's to bring us here to this point in time for what? Well, he says it. He says that the only way that he can find redemption is to kill the chosen one and destroy the crystal. How does that give him redemption? I have no idea. <laughs> How does that redeem him? That seems like the opposite of redeem. Like it, you're continuing to do the bad things that the reason why you're well, in this way. But you're, if he does it, then there will be nothing that can ever stop him from doing that. Because the only one who can stop him is the chosen one with the power of the crystal. So it's not really so much redemption as just he'll be in total control for all of eternity because there will be no one left. Oh, listen, stop the name of this chapter is redemption. (laughs) (laughs) He's clearly seeking what he calls his redemption. Yeah. Does he believe? So what I was thinking is that if he kills the king, destroys the crystal, does his curse get lifted? Can he finally die? Is this what he's seeking? Is he seeking a death? Hmm. Is he is he getting knocked here so that knocked can kill him? No, because he wouldn't say that when the king is gone that I would be redeemed. Like, well, but the king is going to be gone because the king has to sacrifice himself. Maybe they'll both be gone. Oh, okay, okay, yes, maybe. I that, could. I that could seems that. to work. I can see that theory. So is he just not that bad of a person after all? He's just a tortured soul. No, he's still <laughs> still a terrible person. Why must Noct sacrifice himself? I don't know. Is just a, is just just a deal with the gods? Like this is? I'm somewhat uncertain. So this, well, for the last few chapters, but then way more so after talking with Bahamut and, and having Bahamut explain how this is all supposed to work. So much of the language here is language that I only hear in one place. Yeah, church. Mm-hmm. This whole path sounds exactly like the Christian belief system. And church is also the only place I've ever heard the phrase King of Kings. Oh, ever. Really? I've never heard anyone say King of Kings outside of referring to Jesus. So we've got King of Kings. We've got consecrated. Bahamut mm-hmm. says a lot. Well, and, and there's a lot of just regular religious spiritual words thrown in there that doesn't necessarily make them related to Christianity or anything. But the rest of this story also sounds a lot like the Jesus story. That, we have providence. Well, and providence is just divine protection, right? Right, and, but these are, these are all things to support your theory of, I mean, there's clearly references going on here, right? Yeah. References that I would never expect from a Final Fantasy game. Like, if I were reading this in any other medium, I would think, oh, this person is writing a story inspired by the Jesus story. Mm -hmm. Because the Jesus story is, for anybody not super familiar with it, that God created everybody, 
People kept screwing up over and over and over again. And to get to heaven, you have to be perfect. And guess what? You're never going to be perfect. (laughs) It's not going to happen. But somebody has to pay the price. So God sent his own son and his son took all of that sin upon himself and died for us so that we could all go to heaven. That's the main theology behind the Jesus story. And that sounds exactly like what's happening here. That, I mean, that tracks really well with the entire rest of the game, doesn't it? I don't know. I haven't played the rest of the no, game. No, I don't mean like the remaining that we haven't played. I mean, what we've played so far. Kind of. With like, the, I the mean, scourge you could look at the and, scourge as like yeah. the sin of humanity and right. all that stuff. Sure, sure. I just, I'm still just kind of in shock that I'm getting this in a Final Fantasy game. It, it feels tropey, at least from like a from a Western sort of literature or you know stories. That's a very common thing to have mm-hmm. your hero as a as a Christ like figure, right? So yeah, is that is that just what we're getting here? It seems that way. Maybe if that's the case, what do you predict is going to happen? Uh, well, that there'll be some final battle and Noctis will give up his life in that battle and in doing so Arden and the scourge will be I don't know what the right words are here taken care of that it won't be like I imagine the scourge will go away um or at least there there won't be demons and stuff and mm-hmm. that the the star will continue to live on and that there can be a planet I would think Arden goes away maybe dies cuz I'm like, what's death when you're calling something immortal? Like, I mean, even Highlander struggled with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and then everybody lives happily e- ever after. Will he cease to exist? Will he Will Arden cease to yeah. exist? Mm-hmm. Will he lose his uh, immortality? I think he'll at least lose his physical presence on this planet. We talked a little bit earlier about Kor the immortal. Mm-hmm. How would he play in? If if this is sort of a, a Christian, you know, Jesus story, could could the appearance of another immortal factor in here at all? There's not really another immortal in the Jesus story. Not really. I mean, you could get super down the rabbit hole in in Trinity theology between God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit all being separate but the same. And no one really understands that. We're never going to try to explain that <laughs> on a video game podcast. But <laughs> yeah, so I I mean, we might just be totally wrong about this core of the immortal oh, yeah. thing and, and well, him sure. actually mean, being immortal. If if uh if if we're gonna follow this theory mm-hmm. and see where it leads us, we would predict then that maybe core isn't gonna have it's not going to be revealed that he is immortal. Right. Actually immortal. That would be a prediction. Here's a thought. Because one question that I had was, if Noct actually dies, who becomes king? Maybe it's Kor. Maybe Kor is also part of the line of Lucis, and maybe he is actually immortal in some way or something like that. I don't know if the immortality thing is true and if that really factors into it, but it does make me wonder if core ends up becoming the king because it's not like knock doesn't have any kids we don't have any brothers mm-hmm. any siblings at all so who becomes king this hasn't happened before right as far as not we know. that we know of so i can't look and see what happened last time right this isn't like a cycle where this is just the current threat right. and this is how this is the system for handling that mm-hmm. uh, this is the first time it's had to been it's had to be used and that in theory, then this ends the story, right? In the sense that there should 
be no more bad things after this, or at least to the extent that it's it's risking the star and life and everything because mm-hmm. this is the prophecy. They talk about prophecies here as well, yeah. and this should take care of everything. What if Core is the sixth god? <laughs> what if we haven't seen him? We haven't seen the sixth god yet. Well, that would make sense with the name of the immortal. Yeah, and that we'll see him in the next chapter as, and he saves us. He saves everybody. Maybe he mm. sacrifices himself so Nock doesn't have to die. But he's not the chosen one. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, now I'm real curious to see what happens with Core. I think that we're going to maybe immediately, probably not immediately, but in the next chapter, we're going to revisit the opening of the game where it was the group of us in, it looked like Insomnia, mm-hmm. and we were all grouped together trying to fight some big enemy. Right. Because I believe you mentioned in that episode when we covered that chapter knocked looked older mm-hmm. and so now it's it's older we don't know how long he's going to be in this crystal for maybe it accelerates him maybe it, by giving him power it accelerates his aging and he becomes older and that we're about ready to see that that time period now that's my prediction i know something here <gasps> because it what do you know i i think i've te- i may have actually started chapter 14 i wonder if i did i wonder if i just turned off the game and I haven't actually finished chapter 13 because now that I'm thinking back at the end of each chapter, I always get the, you know, the XP leveling screens mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I didn't get that yet for this. Okay. I get, you know, you, you get into the reflection thing and then a black screen and then something else. Yeah. I, I ended right there. It said to be continued. Oh, okay. So like maybe, maybe I haven't actually finished it or maybe it did, but it just didn't go through all of that normal stuff for me. Noct is older. Oh. And I'm somewhere else entirely now. Okay. I was at a place called the Stone Prison that on the map looks like it's in the vicinity of the house where the boat was, the royal Mm -hmm. boat that we took Mm -hmm. to Alticia. Mm, Okay. And I'm told that I need to go to Hammerhead. Oh. And I'm like, what? But... I don't have the regalia anymore. It's told. <laughs> That's a long way away. <laughs> I hope there's chocobos. chocobos. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like then we're definitely going to revisit that opening scene. If yeah. if the next chapter knocked is already. I mean, how could we visibly? Not, right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was a, I don't know, a fortune or something that did not come true. He looks way cooler as an old guy. Does he? Older guy. He's got a sweet goatee and stuff. Oh, nice. Some facial yeah, hair. That's nice. I'm sure I won't even notice it. <laughs> okay. Well, next time is the last episode. So what we'll do is we'll cover the last chapter of the game. And then presumably there's going to be some cool ending. And we'll then we can talk about the ending and then this entire game as a whole. Right. And what we thought about it. Yeah. I want to finish finish this episode really fast and go play right now. But, <laughs> but I can't. So. Okay, that finishes up uh, the fifth episode of our Final Fantasy 15 series. Thanks for listening. As usual, we want to know what you think of this game and what you think of story players in general. You can send us some feedback in a lot of different ways. You can go to our freshly redesigned website at thedigitalmediazone.com and leave us a message on the contact form or it's just leave pretty cool. comments on the show post. You can find us on Twitter. Twitter.com slash VG story players. Uh, same with Facebook, Facebook.com slash VG story players. And if you like what you heard, then make sure that you're subscribed. And if you really like it, you could do us a favor by going out and leaving us a rating 
and a review over on Apple Podcast or wherever you found this podcast. This has been another episode of Story Players. Thanks for listening. I'm Josh Pollard. I'm Joe DeSazio. Adios. See ya.